everybody? It is uh, great to be together, and you know, I love this time of year so much because it's, it's this time of new, right? New opportunity. Um, maybe for you, when you think about this time of year, you think, wow, new hopes and dreams, uh, a new go at another 12 months, and uh, we're so excited uh, just to be gathered with you on the front end of the year. I do want to say just a welcome to you. If you're at our Elkhorn campus today, thanks for joining us. So glad that you guys are with us. want to say hi to the guys in Mod 7 at the Correctional Center campus. And then I know some of you weren't able to be here today at our campuses, and we just want to welcome you if you're watching online. We're super, uh, it's a privilege really for us to, to be able to gather. So um, when we think about this new series, I just have to tell you on the personal front, I am so excited. Um, we're going to be jumping into a series that I think is going to set us up well for an entire year and, Lord willing, much longer than that. And the reason why I'm so excited about this series is because we're really asking God to do something so significant in our lives. Um, we're really praying big prayers and we're saying, God, would you do so much that we would look back over the course of this year and we would say, wow, that was maybe the best year of my entire life. And um, so with that, um, I would love it if we could start this morning before we dive into the content of this first message and into this series, if we could just pray together and just ask God to lead us. And so would you pray with me now and, uh, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for your church. Lord, as we think about the future, first of all, we want to look to the past and we want to look at 2019 and we just want to say thank you. God, you've been so good to us, so good. And Lord, we want to honor you. We want to make you known. And Lord, as we now look to 2020, God, we want to pray that your name and your renown would be the desire of our hearts and that your name would be lifted so high in this place, God. Lord, we love you and we long, Lord, to not only have the ears to hear you, but we also pray this morning, right now, we all pray this we say, God, would you help us to have the courage to be able to respond? And so we commit this time to you, and we pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me begin that way with you today. Um, here's the question, and maybe you've been asking this question at this particular time of the year. Oftentimes we do. Here's the question. When you think about 2019, what were the habits in your life that most impacted 2019? Well, what were the things? And when you think habit today, I, I simply want you to think a habit is really just a behavior that you repeated over an extended period of time. So when you look back over 2019, ask yourself right now, what were the habits that really marked your year? What were the things that you would say, whether they were good habits or maybe they were bad habits, but either way, they impacted your year. They had an impact. You can look back and say, I did that repeatedly, and I can see the fruit that that really produced in my life. Do you have any habits that are, are like that? You know, today on the front end of this series, we're going to strategically talk about what it means for us to have habits that we look back on and we say, I'm so glad that that habit is in my life. Today, we're going to look at a habit that Jesus Christ exemplified. And he exemplified it to the degree to which it was so impactful in his life that when people looked at the life of Jesus and they saw the fruit of this habit in his life, they actually said things like this. They said, Lord, would you actually teach us how to do what you just did? Because we're watching your life, and we love the impact that it's having, and so, Lord, would you teach us to have this habit formed in us? One thing is for sure, certain habits can lead to incredible results, and other habits can lead, lead to devastating results. Today, I want you to think in two categories. 
And in these two categories, you can put, as you review 2019, as you look forward to 2020, you can put every single habit, every single behavior that you repeat over an extended period of time, you can put into one of these two categories. I want you to think in two categories this morning. The first category is this. I'm going to call it hoverboard habits. Have you seen one of these before? They're a lot of fun, but this is a moment I'm not so sure about. Okay, we're good. All right, so hoverboard habits. Now, my son got this for Christmas. He had been wanting this thing for about six months. Hoverboards, I got to tell you, these things are a blast. He opened it up. Since then, I've been having a blast on it, you know? <laughs> but they're, they're awesome. But I got to tell you something about a hoverboard. They're fun, but they're dangerous. Even yesterday, my son is really good on this, our youngest, and we went for a run. It's kind of a long run, and we got to the end of it. We're on the home stretch, and, and he's just cruising along, and he's behind me, and all of a sudden, I hear wham, and then I just, I see this thing go flying, him on the ground, you know, holding his head. Not a good thing, right? These things are fun, but they're incredibly dangerous. And you know why the reason why they're so dangerous? It's because they're dicey. They're not sturdy at all. I'm glad that's over. All right, enough, right? The stage never looks so high. All right. So now that's a hoverboard habit. And when you think hoverboard habit this morning, I just want you to think unstable, unstable. The other habit that I want to talk to you about this morning are what I'm calling rock habits. Rock habit is the kind of habit that you can build a foundation on. It's the kind of habit that when you think about 2020, you can go, you know what? I could build my entire year on that. I would look back and I would be glad that I did. All of us have people in our lives that we admire. I know I do. And when I look at the people that I admire, I admire oftentimes the fruit of their life. But you know where the fruit of their life is tied to? It's tied to rock habits. They do things repeatedly over and over and over. And as a result, it produces good things in their life. Today, we're going to talk about a rock habit, everybody. And I'm so excited about this series because we're going to talk about a habit that I believe if we do this, even if it's just for 40 days, I believe it's going to have a huge impact on us individually and as a church. Today we're going to talk about the rock habit that we see in the scriptures, and it's the rock habit of prayer. It's one of these practices that if it will become a part of our lives, it will change the trajectory of our lives. And so I want you to turn with me as we Think about this and lean into this rock habit. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1 in your Bible. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. And I I just want to say this to you on the front end. For some of you, prayer has always been a big deal to you. For some of you, you understand the importance of prayer. When you think about prayer, you go, you know what, I need to pray. Uh, Prayer is effective. Some of you, you pray a lot. Some of you don't pray very much at all. Maybe even feel bad about that. Others of you... When you think about prayer, you're going, I don't know how to pray. I think this series will be incredibly helpful for you, no matter what category you fall into. But I want to say this on the front end as honestly a disclaimer. I hope that none of you do anything in this series out of a sense of guilt. I hope that none of you walk away from this morning and you begin to pray because you feel guilty that you don't. I don't think guilt is a good motivator. It doesn't last. As a church, our goal is not to guilt you into anything. But what we do want to do is this. We know that we have a loving Heavenly Father. And so if we'll go to our Heavenly Father and if we'll say, okay, God, you love me. God, what are the areas that you instruct me in, particularly on a repeated basis? Lord, what are those? And I want to apply those to my life. I'll be honest with you. When I think about my life, when I think about my family, when I think about this church that I love, that we want to lead well, when I think about all of those things, 
there are some things in the scriptures that I go, it would be wise for us to do this. And so that's my prayer. And our goal is just to say, Lord, out of your goodness, we want to follow in your ways. So God, wherever you lead, that's where we want to go. And this morning, we're going to uncover one of these rock habits that God's going to say, you can not only build 2020 on it, you can build your entire life on it. And if you do, one day I truly believe this, and I say this with a whole lot of confidence, I believe you'll look back and you'll say, that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. Look with me at... um, Mark chapter 1. Let me give you just a little bit of of context for this passage. Jesus is early on in his public ministry. And so Jesus is going around. I try to imagine this. Jesus is going around and he's healing people and he's praying for people and he's helping people understand how they can know him. And this is what it says about him. So as they watch Jesus, they say that it says this. The people were amazed at his teaching Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Let me ask you, have you ever been amazed by someone? Have you ever been enamored by somebody? That's what's happening here. When these people looked at the life of Jesus Christ, they thought, whoa, there's something special about him. When they watched him heal sick people, when they watched him bring the dead back to life, they said, there's something so significant that they were amazed at him. So that's the scene. Now look with me at verse 32. It says this. It says, that, e- that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Now, I want you to try to imagine the scene. It says, and this is an important detail, that the sun has set. Now, know this. In Jewish culture, they would have been honoring the Jewish Sabbaths. So at Friday night at sunset, the Jewish Sabbath began, and it went all the way until Saturday at sunset, which meant this. There wasn't a whole lot of people moving around. There wasn't a whole lot of travel. But at sunset on Saturday night, all of a sudden, people were moving about again. And so they show up to where Jesus is. They knock on the door. It says actually that the whole town was there. So we've got a whole lot of people. It's getting now likely very late into the evening. In Luke chapter 4, it says this, that when these people came, it says that Jesus took the time to heal every one of them. Do you think he was exhausted? Absolutely. Fully God, but fully man. And so Jesus is there, and he's been healing, and it's likely that now we're into the wee hours of the morning. Verse 34, it says this. It says that he drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And I just want to mention this, kind of a quick time out here. We can assume when we think about prayer, and we'll talk more about this, but oftentimes you and I, we're most prone to pray for things that are physical in nature. I need this. I want that. I got to get over here. Whatever the things in our life are, we typically pray about things that are physical in nature. But notice what is happening here. Jesus, right away, he's into the spiritual dimension. And I believe that it would be true of us that if we realize more often than not that we live in, honestly, a very real spiritual battle day in and day out, I believe we would be highly motivated to pray. Know this, everybody. The scriptures tell us that we have a very real enemy who would love to steal, kill, and and destroy the plans of God in your life and in my life. And that is nothing to play with. And I believe if we'll live with that mindset more often, I think it would drive us to pray. So Jesus, what is he doing in this passage? He is doing battle here. Look at verse 35. 
It says very early in the morning while it was still dark. And we can't miss this because the priority of prayer in the life of Jesus really comes out here. Jesus was likely, again, had been likely up most of the evening. It's possibly into the next day. Yet look at what's happening. Very early in the morning, it says, before the sun has risen, what happens? He's, he's gone out. It says that Jesus got up. Now, if there was ever a day when Jesus could have said, you know, I think I'll hit the snooze button. You ever had one of those days where you're like, this is a good day, bang, to, just to hit it. This would have been the day. I mean, think about what he's just experienced the night before. But notice the pattern. Notice what he's doing here. Even in the midst of that, it says Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Everybody, Jesus prayed after he's just come off a night of incredible ministry. But the reason why I believe that he prioritizes prayer is because even in the midst of that, he's wanting to model to you and I, what is he longing for? Jesus is longing for a connection with the heavenly Father. He's prioritizing, I need to connect with God the Father. I long to, I choose to, I want to. It was good for the soul of Jesus to connect with God the Father. And if it was good for Jesus, then it's definitely good for me. But know this, this wasn't the first time that Jesus had done this. This wasn't the first time that Jesus had said, I've got to go pray. Look at this, Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. It says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to, say it with me, pray. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. After leaving with them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, chap chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in a private place and his disciples were with him. Mark, or Ma Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to him, them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jeff, why would you tell us all of these passages? Why would you read virtually the same thing over and over and over again, basically saying the same thing, that Jesus took a time, took a, he, he identified a time, and he picked a spot, and he went there, and he prayed. You know the reason why I go to all of those? It's this, because if Jesus needed to do that, then we surely do. But I have to ask myself this question. As Jesus is going to pray, as Jesus decides not to hit the snooze button, what is going through his mind? What is the why behind the get up? What is the why behind going to the solitary place? What is the why behind all of those steps and then getting to that place and then being with God? Here it is, everyone. Very clearly, Jesus is modeling that he values connecting with God the Father. And if he needed to do that, I don't know of a greater motivator for us. I surely need to do that. You know, whether you're a leader at, in your home, whether you're a leader 
at school or in a small group or at work, wherever you find yourself leading. We all have influence. We all lead somewhere. Isn't it true? I think we would all say this. Isn't it true that it's easier, it's even much more enjoyable to lead out of a full cup? You can only lead, I believe, you can only lead on empty so long. It's much more enjoyable to say, you know what, I'm going to be able to pour into the lives of others when my cup is full, when I'm in a good place. Look at what Jesus is modeling. He's modeling, okay, if I'm going to do the work of God, then I've got to surely be connecting with God. And so he models a daily connection with our Heavenly Father. Look with me back at Mark chapter 1. Think about the intentionality of Jesus. Look at verse 36. Jesus, again, he's out before sunrise. He's in a solitary place. Time passes. We aren't sure how much, but look at what happens next. It says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. So these guys are the ones that Jesus has been pouring his life into, and now they're wondering, Jesus, where are you? And so they go out, they look for him, and then it says, and when they found him. Now know this, I don't think it's any accident that Jesus gets caught in prayer. If you're a parent and your children catch you praying, everybody, that's a great thing. If you own a company or if you lead a team and you have the ability to pray with your staff, do you know what you're communicating to them? You're communicating loud and clear. There is a God in heaven and he knows more than I know. And so it is wise for me to pray to him. When your children see you praying, you know what, they, you know what you're communicating to them? You're communicating, okay, my mom or my dad or, or whoever's leading me at home, they care enough about some important things that they're bringing them to God. It communicates so much. I don't think it was any accident that Jesus gets caught praying. He's modeling for them. How do you do this? How do you connect with your Heavenly Father? Look at the three things he did. He prioritized the time, he found a spot, and he enjoyed being in the presence of God. Verse 37. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, to be looking means this. This is how it's translated. It means to pursue or to hunt vigorously. It might even mean that they were doing it in sort of a hostile manner. In other words, that maybe they're going after Jesus with a little bit of an annoyance because they've just been with Jesus and, and everybody's amazed and it went so well last night. But now, Jesus, what are you doing here? Jesus, why are you in this lonely spot? Jesus, why are you wasting time. Jesus, don't you know that if you would come back and if you would continue to do what you did last night, the whole town showed up, we could maybe charge admission tonight. We could sell funnel cakes. I mean, I don't know what was going through their mind, but everybody know this. You keep reading Mark's gospel, and it's very true that oftentimes the disciples were more concerned about building their own kingdom than they were about Jesus building his kingdom. And so they're frustrated, likely. Jesus, where are you? Verse 38. Notice also what this time of prayer did for Jesus. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Everybody, when Jesus goes to pray his calling, this is why I came, gets affirmed by God the Father. 
When we spend time before God, it clarifies our why. It reminds us, okay, this is what is most important. When you take the time to connect with your heavenly father, you know what happens? The urgent, and and they were presenting him with the urgent. They were saying, hey, Jesus, you you need to come back. You did a great job last night. What a show. Jesus, if you would come back, that was the urgent. But Jesus, after being with God the Father, takes the urgent and he puts it underneath the calling. And have you ever noticed that when you take time to be with God, your why gets clarified? And all of a sudden you're reminded of what's most important. The plans of the day got affirmed when Jesus spent time with the Father. He could have said to Simon, you're right, Simon. Last night was great. We, maybe we missed a couple people in the town. It said the whole town came, but maybe if you didn't, let's have them come. We'll heal them. It's, no, no, he didn't do any of that. Instead, he said, no, 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 I'm here to do my Father's will. We're moving on. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been convinced that you should do something, and at the last minute maybe even you took it before God, and you kind of got that nudge from God, no, you shouldn't do that. And then you look back over your life and that decision And you're so thankful that you didn't do what you and I thought we should do. You're so thankful that you took the time to listen because God actually drove you to what was most important. Or how about this? Have you ever been in a mental argument with somebody? Maybe you had a little scuffle and you were about to finish the argument the next day with them. By the way, when you have arguments in your mind with other people, do you ever lose? I never lose. It's remarkable. But have you ever had one of those And in the midst of it, you sense that nudge, maybe I should pray about this. And so you took it to God, and you said, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is how I was wronged. And you start laying it out, and all of a sudden, God just gives you a little bit of a nudge. And all of a sudden, if you listen to that, maybe you'll say something differently. Maybe you won't do what you were going to do. The, The plans of Jesus get affirmed when he's with God the Father, and it happens to us as well. You know, everybody, over the course of a year, I want you to think about habits. Our lives get shaped by habits perhaps more than anything else over the course of a year. What do you do regularly? Charles Duhigg wrote this best-selling book called The Power of Habit. He talks about keystone habits. And when he talks about keystone habits, what he means is this, that there are certain habits that if you do them, they're so solid and they're so good that they actually lead to other things. So he says if you have a keystone habit in your life, it's likely that that one good habit is going to lead you to several different good things. Everybody, I believe this to be true. Prayer is a keystone habit. Prayer will lead you to other things that you'll be so glad that you had the priority of prayer in your life. I want to walk you through just four of them. If you're taking notes, four things that are true of a rock habit like prayer. Number one, here it is. The habit of prayer, it affects our priorities. You know, when I pray, I'm driven to the things that matter most. If I'm praying for this church, I'm driven to the things that matter most for this church. If you pray for your family, you're driven to the things that matter most for them. If you pray for your children, all of a sudden you're going to care less about all these 90 activities that you could be a part of that are vying for your family's attention, and you're going to be reminded, you know what, the heart of my child is actually what's most important. And it's going to drive you to do some things differently. When you pray, all of a sudden, your priorities get changed. It affects your priorities dramatically. One of our staff put it this way. When I pray, it's like I recalibrate my heart and my mind. It's like hitting the reset button, and I'm reminded this is what's 
most important. Number two, the habit of prayer, what does it do? It informs our perspective. I love this, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. This is what I know about people who pray. I know some people that pray often. And this is what I see, the fruit of their life, and I admire this in them. I see that when they come up against a storm in life, it's not so much the storm. It's not so much, whoa, the catastrophe that ruined me. What I notice about people that regularly pray is that when they look at the storms of their life, they're very grounded. And they see that storm as one of many storms, but also there's a whole lot in between each storm. And somehow they're getting past that. And you know why? It's because they're grounded. It's because they have a perspective that's been changed because they're really walking in the presence of God. Prayers change your perspective. If you're married and you pray for your spouse, it's less likely that you're going to be fighting against your spouse, and it's more likely that you're going to be too busy to do that because you're too busy fighting for them in prayer. Some of you, your marriages are on the brink. And I would just challenge you, for 40 days, would you pray for your spouse by name? And would you pray good into them? You know what I believe will happen? I believe it will change the way that you think about them. I believe it will heavily impact your marriage. It changes your perspective. This is the last way that I want to mention that I believe prayer changes our perspective. When you and I pray, do you know what happens, everybody? And, and you might need to ask God, God, would you help me with this? But we tend to get a bigger view of God. And so the more that I go before God and the more that I bring my requests before him and I start to see, wow, God, you answered that prayer. I'll be honest with you. I had God answer a prayer this week and it built my faith. Boy, it built my faith. I was on a high for a good day and a half just thinking about that one thing that, whoa, God, you answered that. You know what happens? When you pray continually, you're going to see, God, you are a big God, and you're going to have a big view of God. And so instead of saying, God, would you just little bitty things, little bitty things, no, no, no. Over time, you're going to say, God, would you do immeasurably more? God, would you heal the sick? We believe God can heal people. We want to pray for that. God, would you soften the hardest heart? As you see God do great things, you'll lean in more and you'll say, God, I know you can, and so I pray that you would. Number three, the habit of prayer, it awakens us to God's presence. Dallas Willard, a theologian that's passed now, he puts it well. He says this. This is beautiful. He says, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. Prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. You know, something hit me this week as I was preparing for this, that it's very true and it's very basic, but it just hit me in a fresh way. I mean, I want everybody to think about this. When we pray, it awakens God's presence to us, but know this, God did not have to create us to talk to him. Like God could have created every single one of you and then just hit play on it all and it just could have all played out no communication with God the Father. No communication at all. But think about this, everybody. He longs to talk to you. Have you ever sat across from somebody, you could tell they wanted to talk to you? Like eye contact was not an issue. They weren't distracted. They were focused on you. They really wanted to hear 
from you. Think about this. Our Heavenly Father, everybody, He created us to talk to Him, to hear from us, for us to hear from Him. I mean, think about that. It's amazing. You know, my prayer for myself, you could pray this for me, please do. 2020, this is my prayer for myself, is that Jesus would fall fresh on me. It's that I would see by the end of this year, I would continue to grow in this month after month after month, and that Jesus Christ would become so, so, so special to me. This is, image has been helpful to me. My dad recently bought a, a classic car. He bought it from an older gentleman, and this guy used to drive the car. But then he couldn't drive it anymore as he aged. And, and so this car, my dad sent me a picture of it. That it, He sent me a picture in this guy's, it, when it was parked in this guy's garage, kind of tucked in the corner. It was all dusty, pretty dull actually. But now my dad has this car and you ought to see this thing now. If you saw it, you'd say, whoa, I just recently saw a picture of it. I mean, it shines. It looks like it just came off the showroom floor. That's what I'm praying for myself. Jesus, would you just shine in my heart? Jesus, would you be so real to me? Would I fall so deeply in love with you? God, would you fall fresh on me? The habit of prayer, you know what it does? It makes God's presence come to life. Number four, last one. The habit of prayer, it unleashes God's power. I love this. In Acts chapter 5, it says this. It says that when they prayed, it says that the walls shook. When they prayed, the walls shook. We see throughout the scriptures that when people pray, God answers prayer. Everybody, when you pray, know this. God works. He doesn't answer all of our prayers, but he does answer a whole lot of them. We see that in the scriptures, that there's a response that God has for people that pray. I love this. A friend of mine, she recently said this. She said, that's an answer to someone's ask. And I love that because what she was referring to was that's an answer to what someone has been praying. That's an answer to the prayers of someone. If you're sitting in our Elkhorn campus right now, know this. You are the answer to someone's ask. Someone asked God. Someone prayed. Many people did. They prayed up and down 204th Street, and we prayed big prayers, and we said, God, would you open a door? Same thing is true at the Correctional Center. Same thing is very true right here at this campus. The reason you're here is you are an answer to someone's ask. Mark Batterson, in his book, Draw the Circle, he makes this statement. It's a great one. He says, and when you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis basis. It reminds me, Lord, I want to be the kind of person that I bring big things to you because prayer unleashes the power of God. We've got a new habit with our staff right now at 845. I love this habit. At 845, we gather in a circle. It's not formal. It's not eloquent. And we just pray. 15 minutes. But do you know what it communicates? Do you know what it declares? It declares, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, this is bigger than us. God, we need you. God, would you do what only you could do? Jesus, would you do immeasurably more? There are times when we'll bring one of your names before God, and we'll say, God, would you help this person? God, would you bring healing here? God, would you bring restoration here? God, would you reach a part of our city that we're not reaching? God, would you reach our neighbors? and our? Think about that, everybody. Know this. When you pray, you unleash the power of God. I want to close this way. I want to direct you in just a couple of ways. The first one is this, and we've mentioned this, 
I, I just quoted Mark Batterson. I, I love this little book. I've been through it a couple times called Draw the Circle. We're selling this for like five bucks in the lobbies. All it will do is this. Uh, it will encourage your prayer life. That's the only reason why we're, we're selling it. It will encourage your prayer life. And so if that's helpful to you, I would encourage you for 40 days. Read that. It's just a little 40-day uh, devotional kind of book. The other thing that we're doing is this, and, and I want to encourage you in this way. I want to ask you this morning, and this is, this is the big ask, okay, everybody? This is the 40-day challenge, if you will. For the next 40 days, starting tomorrow, would you pick a place? Would you pick a time? And would you simply go before God? It could be as short as five minutes. But would you pick a place? Would you pick a time? And would you meet with God? And I would encourage you, don't even go, don't go to that place empty-handed. Go to that place with a, a pad of paper and just write down a prayer. And here's why I would encourage you to actually write out a prayer. It's this. It's because when you get to day 12, you're going to get maybe tired of doing this. Maybe it'll even happen to day five. Let's be honest. But if you get to that day and you're able to get, get to day 15, you're able to look back at day 10, you're going to go, oh, look what God did. Oh, I think differently about that now because I prayed about it. And then you get to day 25 and you get to day 30 and all of a sudden you look back and you say, man, I hung up praying for that for five years, but now I committed to praying for it and I'm seeing God answer my prayers. That's why I want you to write it down. I'm not great at that, but I try to do it, and here's why. It's so I can go back, and I can celebrate the activity of God, and I'll tell you what it does. It builds my faith. It builds my faith. So would you do that? Would you pick a spot? Would you pick a time? And would you pray? And some of you, I know what you're asking right now. You're saying, well, Jeff, if I do that, I don't even know what to pray. If you don't know what to pray, then pray about what you should pray about. It's that easy. And you know what God is going to likely do? He's going to reveal to you a person or a problem, and you're going to be able to take that before God. So would you, everybody, would you build, would I build 2020 on a rock habit of prayer? I cleared out a space in our storage room recently. I'll be honest with you, it's, it's nothing fancy. I sat there this morning, two feet in front of me is a bare Stud wall, it's nothing fancy. To the left is boxes, to the right is more boxes, but it's a place. It's solitary. I can go there. I've picked a time. Before I leave, I go there. And you know what I'm doing there? I'm praying for some of you. I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for our kids. And what God is doing in me, it's been so good for me. I gotta be honest with you. I long for this to be true of our church. Everybody, imagine if you would do that, if you would pick a time, if you would pick a place. Imagine if over a thousand of us all across the city, we prioritized a habit and we built 2020 on it. I think we would stand back at the end of this year and we would say, only God, only God. Christina's spot in our house is also not fancy. It's in our utility room. And she's been at it longer than I have. And so there's like notes all over the place, different names and things she's reminding herself of. And it's like a war room. It's like the place where she goes and she says, you know what? I got a day ahead, but before I get to the day, I got to bring it before God. And God, would you? God, I pray for this. I pray for that. Everybody, imagine what would happen if you and I did this. Would you pick a place? Might it be your holy ground? Might it be the place where you look at it and you go, I'm going to go do battle for a little bit before I go do battle. You know what I mean? But I'm going to do battle with the one that actually can do battle for me. You may have heard of the name Charles or John Wesley. Have you heard of their names? 
Think about this. These folks, these men led millions of people to hear about and to receive Jesus Christ. But do you know who was behind their platform of influence? Their mother, Susanna Wesley. She gave birth to 19 kids. Only 10 of them survived. Yeah, I'll pray for her on that. Holy smokes, right? 19, imagine that. She was a woman that experienced so, so much hardship. Much of it caused by her own husband. But do you know what she did? She prayed. And do you think she had much solitary place in a home with all of those little varmints running around? Absolutely not. Have any of you ever hidden from your children? I do it at least once a week. Dad, where are you? Quiet, you know? She had nowhere to hide. Do you, so you know what she did? It says that she would take her apron and she would pull it over her head. So she might be sitting in the middle of the living room. But when she did that, her kids know, don't mess with mama. Because she's going to battle right now. She's in prayer. Everybody imagine the power if you and I would pick a time, we would pick a place, and then we would enjoy the presence of our God who would long to commune with us. So would you do that? 40 days. If you get to the end of the 40 days and you don't like the habit, you can always quit. But would you do it for 40 days? Would you give it a shot? We're dreaming about what God could do if this many of us would pray our hearts out. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for the example of Jesus Christ. Lord, we long to follow it, not because we must, but because it's wise. And so, Lord, this year we're saying, God, we want to build some rock habits. No hoverboard habits. We've all got plenty of them. But, God, would you give us some rock habits? Lord, we pray that this rock habit of prayer would become one that marks us as a church. For these 40 days, Lord, would you open our minds and our hearts to only what you can do. Lord, we love you, and it's a privilege to meet with you, Lord. Father, thank you for this time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.